In a world where people are famous for doing nothing, we're here to discover the ordinary individuals who take giant leaps to do something extraordinary. Welcome to Moving Forward. Welcome, listeners, to this week's edition of Moving Forward. I am your host, Kristen Nepper, and today my guest is Carol McCowan. Carol, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm so delighted to be part of this. Well, I want to just start off with the first question and tell us about what you do, specifically about Raise Global Solutions and Raise Energy. And I also want to talk to you about your business model, but let's have you introduce yourself to our audience first. Well, thank you. Um, obviously, my name's Carol McCown, and I'm founder and CEO of uh, a group of companies, starting with our parent company, which is Raise Global Services. And um, we're also wanting to talk about Raise Energy Solutions. And RAISE means Responsible Alliance and Social Enterprise. And about five years ago, I had a, what I'm going to call a vision or dream that basically uh, I thought that, that big world problems could be solved if corporations around the world that make money could take what they already do well, what's part of the DNA of their company, and add purpose to their DNA. Uh, For example, I couldn't understand how there can be such world hunger when there's major corporations around the globe that know how to grow, distribute, and make a profit off of selling food. Why is it that in some regions of the world it can be something that is economically viable and in other areas of the world it's not? So um, I set out to start consulting with large corporations about what their purpose is, about what their DNA is, and how we might be able to tie purpose to that. And as a result of that, had lots of discussions about the environment and energy and so I uh, decided about two years later to start Raise Energy to, to literally prove our model um, that we can produce uh, products that help reduce uh, energy and or generate energy more effectively and out of our profits then give the gift of energy to those in need that don't have uh, an opportunity to have energy in their environment. So you have a for-profit slash non-profit business model, correct? Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, everything that we do is for-profit. I'm, I'm definitely a, a pro-commerce girl, um, <laughs> definitely. I think that um, it's uh, the, the sort of the donor model for the non-profit side is, is very frustrating because companies will write a check to an organization and then the next year change their mind and give it to another organization. And so the donor model, in my opinion, is not sustainable. So what we were interested in doing is being very uh, effective and profitable on the for-profit side. And then uh, I've set up an additional 501c3 called Raise Global Partners that uh, does humanitarian projects using uh, the money and the products and the team of um, intelligence team is what I call them. Okay. Uh, using their passion to go out and, and provide on the humanitarian side. So it is, it's a hybrid model. And so do your interests on the humanitarian side change or are they pretty static? 
Um, I think it's real important when you think about this business model that your interests on the humanitarian side match your business because otherwise it doesn't make sense to your business. So, for example, on for Raise Energy Solutions, any humanitarian project that we do for Raise Energy Solutions is about creating energy to meet a humanitarian need. Um, for example, it, with that, we may go out into some a third world environment where they don't have electricity and create uh, solar power and battery generation and lighting for remote medical clinics. Um, what we don't do is just pick random nonprofits out there to support. Uh, we think that it's very important to our brand that it's tied specifically to the type of business that we're in. I think that's really important. We spoke about this a little earlier as well. Having the infrastructure already created and just seamlessly allows you to move into an area where you can be of the most help with the least amount of effort. Yeah, I mean, let me give you an example of that. Um, uh, think about an airline, for example. Um, you know, a big airline writes a check to some random nonprofit that has nothing to do with transportation. When other nonprofits are literally spending money to put medicines and or supplies in the belly of those airplanes. Well, it seems like it makes more sense to me because you're, even the people who travel on that airline would like to be part of something greater. It makes more sense to me if you're going to give the gift of any type of nonprofit um, do donation, that, that that same gift could be in you know the core business that you're already in. It engages your employees. It makes your employees understand that your company has far greater value than just creating a profit right. to the world. And your customers can relate to it as well. And they may even actually want to be a part of it so that it could be, a, you know, a marketing uh, promotion to have more people want to travel on your airline. So that's just one example of the many things that people, that companies can do. I love that. And I'm not sure why this hasn't been thought of before. You're the first person I know of who has articulated it because not only do you have the infrastructure, but I think it also is a motivational factor for employees. And we definitely know that it's a motivational factor for consumers as well. Oh, yeah. I, um, I read a Cone um, is an organization that uh, does some research on, you know, marketing research. And they were they had said something like 98 percent of consumers will change brands for a cause they care about. Wow. Well, that's a big deal. It's a big number. And uh, that's especially true for uh, the you know, up and coming generations. They they are very particular about um, what what's going on around the world from a humanitarian standpoint. And so it makes sense. I mean, just think about it today. If you were going to go and you're going to buy a jar of peanut butter, for example, and you looked at one brand versus the other brand, the price is the same. The quality of peanut butter is the same. But one gives the gift of a meal to a child for a month because it's so inexpensive to do that. Yeah. You know, on the nonprofit side, which one are you going to choose? And you're going to talk about to your children. You're right. going to choose the one that gives back. So that's really what my head is all about, what my heart is all about. Um, and I believe it makes great business sense. Yeah, I really love that. So. I understand this is not your first rodeo. Can you tell us about some of your other former entrepreneurial adventures? Well, it's funny. Um, I, I have 
I'm like a serial entrepreneur. I, um, <laughs> I, I like started that. off in college with a sports photography business that grew to about 5,000 events around the globe. Um, New York City Marathon was one of our clients. Uh, worked with major college football teams all over the country. Had nothing to do with energy or anything like this at the time. But I always did mission work. I've always enjoyed going and um, uh, with my church, going on mission trips and things like that. So I have a heart for orphans. I have a heart for um, helping. And so um, this is the first time that I've actually sort of combined my head and my heart into one location and said, okay, what what am I going to be doing with the rest of my life? And how can I really take what my heart says is right, my head says is right, and put them together. Um, I've also had a marketing company. Uh, I had a clothing line. We uh, had a clothing line way back called Avid Diva. And what we did is we built um, women's silhouetted clothing back before it was popular uh, for collegiate licensed products. So you'd have something really kind of fun and festive to wear to the game besides wearing a guy's jersey. Right. Yeah. And that was crazy because we sold it at JCPenney's and JCPenney's didn't have a spot for it. So they put us in the men's department and we were the number one uh, licensed brands in the in men's department at JCPenney's. <laughs> and we were like this one little, you know, thing for women right in the middle. But uh, that was just, you know, an idea that we pursued and it was fun and we, I enjoyed that. And it, taught me a lot about what I'm doing now because we, uh, I learned how to import. I learned how to deal, um, with, uh, retail, working with retailers. And, uh, it was, it was a really fun experience, but it seems like all of those experiences in the entrepreneur side, uh, has, has led me down this path and on the humanitarian side, that's led me down this path to what I am today. And so, I look back and some things we did were great. Some were failures. Some were huge winners. And I look back at all of that and I go, oh, oh, now I see why that happened. Or now I see why we're doing that. It's I love that. No, I do love that because I always say, you know, it's only a failure if you don't learn anything from it. And it is true that there are all these little incremental steps along the way that get you to where you are now and your successes and your happiness and a life that you love. But I wanted to ask you specifically, going back to the entrepreneurial characteristics, what do you think are your personal characteristics that have led you to that path? Because it is the road less taken. It is. Well, first of all, uh, it's a rare breed. I'll yeah. tell you that because it's um, a, you have to be the eternal optimist. You have to believe Ooh. that everything that you're going to do is going to be a massive success. You have to believe it all the way through. It's so true and hard to do. It, well, it, there are roads and bumps in the roads where are there are discouragement and which the second trait, you have to be a person who perseveres. You cannot look at roadblocks as a stopping point. You have to look at it like a pivot point, Mm, not a stopping point, you know. And so uh, people and you can't listen to other people either, not even in your own family. I mean, there's you are not led by fear if you're an entrepreneur. And so when people say, oh, you can't do that or you're really, you know that won't work or whatever. You just have to kind of set that, you know, out of your thought process and go, you know what? It absolutely is going to work. And, uh, you know, you also cannot 
plan it on your own timeline. It is oh, not going to happen as quickly as you think it is. Never, ever, ever. Please preach. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, it's like, okay. So that's why I talk about perseverance. You say, oh, well, we're going to do this this year. Yeah, right. Yeah, something's <laughs> going to happen. It may be It may be two years before that, that door opens up. But if you won't quit and you just keep going for your goals and believe in your own self and your own vision, I think that uh, that's the secret to success in any, in any type of entrepreneurial endeavor. Would you say that that is what you do best? I always ask people kind of their superpower, and I usually need to give them permission to brag, but so would you say that that is what you do best? Um, you know, honestly, if I were to pick one word that said what I do best, um, it has to be optimism. Mm, but, but yeah. secondly, you know, it's a faith walk. It's, okay. it's stepping out. It's going, I'm going to get out of the boat. And, and if this, if I start sinking, I'm going to keep walking. You know? <laughs> It's absolutely a faith walk, and it's a belief in um, the journey and the outcome that that at the end, you're going to see positive results. Okay. So let me ask you, how do you define faith? And I feel like I want to ask this. We're in this, you know, the midst of a a political uh, year, and there are so many people that are married to certainty, like my candidate is right and everything is, you know, one way. And there's not a lot of shades of gray, I feel like, in the news and the media nowadays. So how do you define faith? Um, well, first of all, I think that um, faith is not black and white. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't believe that. I believe that it is a it is a quiet listening to 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 God. Mm. And it's getting up each day and surrendering to whatever that um, day has in store for you and listening to what I think is just sort of the voice of God. And in me, that that is this this tiny sort of feather like spirit that's like, mm, 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 I don't think I don't think that's the right way to go or okay, you know, God, that door just shut. Thank you. Thank you for whatever's up ahead that's going to open next. And, um, you know, the walk is not your own. I kind of equate it for myself like it's like I'm a cup. And one day that cup might be filled with water. And the next day that cup might be filled with a fine wine. And the next day it might be filled with a milk because I need to be more nourishing to someone else. Mm-hmm. Yet, nevertheless, I'm always a cup. And how that cup is filled is not determined by me, but determined by God who is greater than me because he sees the whole vision, the whole picture. And all my job is to do is to be out there and be ready to be the, that cup or that vessel. So that's what faith is to me. It's kind of the surrendering of what your your goal is to, in the outcome. You know, my goal is not to always contain wine. My name, goal is not always to contain water or milk, but it's to do whatever I'm supposed to do while I'm on this planet and in my path and my particular purpose. And mine is going to be different than yours. Right. And, and I can't expect mine and everybody next to me to have the exact same thing, because if it did, then all 
all the purpose of the world would not be met, you know? Right. Everybody's created for different reasons. Everybody has a different journey. And um, I don't think things are black and white like that. I think you do have to listen to to your spirit and be open to surrendering your own desire sometime to what you think that that spirit's telling you to do. I love that answer. And there are a couple of things I want to just unpack. One is listening and surrender. We don't often think of those two aspects as strength. It's usually the talking and the driving and the being <laughs> assertive that we see in the American society as being strengths. But I think that those are absolutely two of the most important things to cultivate. And the quote from A Course of Miracles that Mary Ann Williamson always speaks of, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? And and just that allowing is really a superhero power. Well, I think it's the greatest strength of all because I've tried to do it my uh, my way, right? And it uh, it doesn't uh, seem to uh, equal happiness. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I completely it, agree. It, you know, it wasn't until I became really the most broken I've ever been in my life. I went through a divorce about uh, eight years ago, and literally. During that time, I I was a broken woman. I, I just uh, I hit my knees and I just said, God, I uh, I love you, and I want to know what you're supposed what I'm supposed to be doing. And I said, I don't really care what it is. I just want to do what I've been called and trained and been been created to do. You know, I was I was specifically created for a purpose. And so it wasn't until I was the most broken in my life that I start to see the dream or the purpose of what it is I'm here to do. And that's and that at this point in time is raised. It is to to be the catalyst for change in the way people think about business, yeah. the way people think about why they do business and um, really to to help solve some problems, you know, that, that even, you know, during that time, this is kind of crazy, but I said this to God one day, I said, you know what? I want to see things the way you see things. I Mm. want things to break my heart that break your heart. Oh, wow. And if it breaks my, if it breaks my heart, then I know that that's something that I need to pay attention to. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're enjoying today's episode, consider supporting the podcast. You can purchase a copy of the Corporate Clichés Adult Coloring Book or try out Amazon Prime or Audible using one of my affiliate links, which you can find in the write-up for any of the episodes at bemovingforward.com. So uh, let me transition to the next question then. So what would you consider to be the biggest global crisis facing us today? Fear. Ooh. Ding, ding. Yeah. Fear. Um, Fear of fellow man. Fear of becoming, you know, less economically sound. Fear of um, death. Yeah. Fear that our children aren't going to be as perfect as the next kid next sitting next to them. Uh, Fear of failure. And it is the opposite of faith. Yeah. And I think um, I think it's a tragedy. And I think our media promotes fear. Mm-hmm. I think that people 
talk about things they're afraid of more than things that they are thankful for in the gratitude side and more than they are faithful. Um, the conversation has left faith and moved to fear. In our nation, fear is the biggest, uh, the biggest challenge we face. Um, and I think that uh, it's, 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 it leads you to a, a darker place, and that's not where we need to be going. I agree. So what is your personal practice for moving towards faith and gratitude and out of fear? Is it not watching the news? Is it not being in competition? Is it what is it exactly? Um, I did not start. I, I, did, I hadn't watched the news, I'd say, in about four years until I started paying attention to the political race um, that's going on now. So I picked back up watching a lot more of it. Mm-hmm. But I do look at it with more of a more of a discerning eye than ever. Yeah. Um. I don't just put the news on around my house and just to have that noise in the background going because I think it, it sets you up for not even being able to rest if you think about it too much. Yeah, anxiety was the word that came to mind when you said that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. Um, but one practice that I do every day of my life is I do not take an appointment before 10 a.m. Mm. Anytime, any day. Because there's two things I need to do. One is get my family ready to set off their day. And I don't want to be harried doing that because I I don't want them not to feel 100% love while we're preparing for the day. Mm. And the second thing is, is I spend the most amazing quiet time with God each day. And different days look like different things. I mean, some days I might just listen to music and uh, other days... I might just be spend in just nothing but prayer. And other days I might listen to a wonderful uh, sermon or um, read scriptures. And then another day I might just decide that I want to uh, turn on great music and dance. I, I don't think it, but, but I purposefully set this side of t- uh, this time aside because I don't think that anybody can can move through their life without connection to their creator and to understand what direction that path is for yourself yeah. unless you invest, invest the time to acknowledge that you need guidance mm. and to be grateful for where you are and where you stand in every day. And there's a certain level of humility that needs to come with that. And I'm not sure that we're really the best at that in this country. No, I think that we put so much stock in material things and personal well-being um, that we tend to ignore our spiritual side a lot because we don't come from as much need. But I think mm. if everybody examined themselves, they would see that they're, they're you know, Yes, their body is well fed. Yes, their um, passions are, you know, prominent. They they like their music. They like their clothes. They like the thing, their vacations, right? And the things that they're passionate about. But what we find, if you really look at yourself, is there's a huge void on the spiritual side a lot. And so, I think. Um, it's easy in our country not to focus on that because our physical our physical world is so great. I mean, my gosh, we water our grass 
with water. Right. Right. Yes. Right. So, you know, we take so much for granted that um, it seems really, really, you know, like not necessary to spend time, spend time with God or in doing, you know, a spiritual practice. But at the end of the day, all of us are going to face at some time or another a, a breakdown in that physical side, whether you, you know, you lose your job and you start being fearful about whether you're going to be able to make the money and yeah. that security goes away or the security of a relationship. Like in my case, a marriage, that security went away um, or even your own physical. You find out that right. you've got stage three melanoma. What do you do? How, how do you deal with that from a spiritual side? And that's when I think that's when God steps in and says, hey, you know, I'm still here. I never mm. went away. I'm still here. Um, I'm here to guide you. And regardless, I'm with you to go through it, not go around it, but to go right. through it. Quickest way out is through. Absolutely. So the way out is through. Let me ask. So you touched on this and I want to just ask your uh, opinion or take on this. So obviously you're spiritual. Would you also consider yourself religious? And to you, what is the difference? What is your definition of each? Spiritual to me is a personal relationship with God. It is that that deep one-on-one. He's um, in a true dedicated relationship to me. I'm a, I am a devout follower of Christ. I don't mind saying that. Mm-hmm. I'm a devout follower of Christ. However, I think that religion, whether it is the practice of Christianity in a very religious way where there are these certain things you have to do because man has set this up as a practice within that religion can sometimes um, not be as uh, gratifying as having a true spiritual relationship. I think they're very two very different things. I think that religion is the practice of man trying to reach God. Yeah. And spiritual is God coming down and being a part of man. Mm. And I think they're very different. And I tend to try to sh- uh, shy away from the true religious piece. Yeah. Um, n- I think that it's a starting point for some people to go and try to find, quote unquote, religion to start trying to meet God. It may be a starting point, but I don't think that it's the ending point. I think it is a place for people to gather who have uh, like minded um, spiritual relationships. Right. But not necessarily um, is it indicative? Well, just because people are religious doesn't mean they have a spiritual relationship, period. I mean, you see it in every religion. You see people who are super religious, but that doesn't really mean that they have this guided, wonderful spiritual walk with God. Right. Agreed. Yeah. And I think that there's such, you hit on it earlier, it's about faith. And people do not sit well with uncertainty. It's one of those things that we are so married to certainty, I believe, that it really gets in the way with that personal relationship with God or the universe or the divine or whatever you want to use. 
Well, I'm thinking that you're exactly right about the certainty. That's why so many religious practices are going, you're going to light this candle, you're going to do this thing, you're going to have this timing, you're going to do it this way, it's going to meet every day, at, every Sunday at this time, or every Saturday at this time, and it's in, it's in a place that everybody is obligated, it has a spiritual book attached to it, and um, that's man moving in to try to have that certainty in place because it's a sure thing. Yeah. Being, being, um, you know, walking in a spiritual relationship really is exactly the opposite. You're, you're, there is no certainty right. except for one thing, and that is that you're, uh, that you're God, that the, that He leads you and He cares for you and He loves you, and yeah. that you have this great relationship, and that's certain. But the outside world, this world, the, uh, the earth, none of it's certain because I don't, I just don't, I think it's a whole different realm that you're walking in. I agree with you. And what strikes me too, as you're speaking, this just kind of hit me. When we talk about going to a specific place and specific practices that we do and specific books that we read, a lot of that is an intellectual study, especially for me when I think yes. about going to church as a child. And when I think about spirituality and how I feel about my place in the universe and my relationship with the divine, it's a feeling. It's something that I physically feel in my body. It's emotions versus intellect. And I think that's also a piece that really frightens us because we've gotten so far with our intellect alone that to rely on feelings, which are very volatile and ever-changing, it's terrifying to a lot of people. Right. And I think, it, I, honestly, I think it goes deeper than emotions too. I think that emotions are fickle as well. Anything that's of the flesh sort of is fickle as well. And I think that sometimes I can be uncertain and have emotions that are that are way off base. I know I've done that in personal relationships. <laughs> who, who hasn't, right? Yeah. I have emotions that are way off base and not right for me. You know what I mean? Yep, in the I end, do. In the end, it comes back to... Um, not listening to those feelings of, of emotion. Yeah. Because they were wrong. But, you know, I, I really think it, like the body is in three persons. You've got your emotional side. You've got your, which is your personal flesh feelings, you know, your feelings of love and hunger and, you know, everything like that. Then you've got your physical side. But then I think there's even a deeper spiritual realm. Oh, I that's, agree. That's way deeper. That's way different. That really, in the end, outlasts all of those all of those things. I absolutely agree. When would you say that you feel the most free? When I'm surrendered completely. Mm. What does that take for you? A physical saying, okay, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, seriously, when I try to take charge, when I try to make things go my own way, when I'm leading my own pack, let's put it that way. Yeah. I, that's when fear sets in. I start to struggle. I start to doubt. And then when I sit back and just go, okay, I've done everything that I can do. All right. I've done everything I can do. And then I go, the rest, I'm going to leave up to you, God. I'm giving this back to you. I'm, I'm going to sit still. Right. I literally will go away for a day sometimes and just be still 
and then to say, okay, now the ball's in your court. Mm. I'm going to let you lead, you guide this thing. And whatever it is, is the outcome is yours. Right. Right. And then that's when I feel free because I, I don't take responsibility for the outcome anymore. I like that. One of the things that strikes me is, is you put the two components together is that there's a receptivity and an allowing, but you're also in action. So it's not that, oh, I was diagnosed with cancer and I'm going to allow God to take care of it. It's no, I was diagnosed with cancer and I will go to chemo and do what my doctor recommends and then I will surrender and I will allow what happens to happen after I've done everything that I can. Right. I agree. It's just like uh, people say, that, you know, I've lost my job and I you know, you're not going to be able to sit in your living room right? <laughs> and pray. No one's going to come a knocking. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I mean, you've still got to get your resume together. You've got to get it. You've got to do your part. We're here for work. Right. We're here. We're here to do things. We're here to um, make plans and move and all of that. We're not here to own the outcome. Yeah, the law of detachment. I love that. That's a hard one for me, to be honest with you, that I want this specific outcome and it needs to show up and it needs to show up now. That's my, my timing. Like, oh, I've decided, so I want it here now. And so letting go of that, that's been one of the biggest struggles of my own life. Yeah, it's not easy to let go, especially if you're a type A like I am. Yeah. I'm a planner. I'm like, what are we going to do? How's it going to be done? Da, 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 da. By 2 p.m. Yeah, totally. Uh, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out that way. No. Yeah, that's been one of definitely my lifelong lessons. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. One of my favorite quotes is, be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle you know nothing about. So I want to ask along those lines, what is your battle today? I'm a global vision person mm -hmm. and I want so badly for people to understand that we can absolutely make a difference in this world and that we all have a piece of that. And if I had my choice today, I, my, my battle is, you know, uh, taking the time it takes to develop the reputation that we need to make through our business and through um, the things that I'm trying to do to get to a platform where people will uh, respect and listen and uh, join in, you know, join in this movement right. to sort of raise the bottom up and be, become a part of, um, of this together. Um, it's become so much a part of who I am and I just want everybody to know about it. So I guess my battle today is just, you know, biding my time, waiting for that time for me to have that platform to be able to, to have those discussions, to lead people, to think differently, for business leaders to stand along beside and say, you know, I want to be part of this too. And really create a global movement. Yeah. Well, I've definitely been inspired by what you've done, and my perspective has definitely shifted. So maybe that's what it takes one person at a time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if our listeners wanted to connect and learn more about you and, and raise, are you available on social media? How would they do that? Well, we're definitely available on social media. <laughs> um, uh, well, our websites are uh, 
uh, raiseglobalservices.com for the when you talk about sort of the the bigger vision. Uh, RaiseEnergySolutions.com is is a practical energy efficiency um, products and services that then we give the gift of energy. And then, you know, my personal thought about how, you know, how to intersect entrepreneurism with um, walking a, lo- a life that is led by God. I have a, a um, my own blog called carolmccown.com and uh, we're on Facebook and um, I'm on LinkedIn and I just think that this is the best time in the world for people to be able to connect with each other and start talking about greater things you know I, I, I you know you get so bogged down in the politics of things and the way the world is going fear sets in and I think everybody on this planet needs to go, okay, stop, shift. Mm. Let's walk in faith. Let's see what God has purposed for us. Let's, um, let's spend time on our knees and, and quiet time and, and, and listen. Yeah. And I think that we'll see a whole different planet, you know, next year, this time, if all of us could just join in sort of this, this responsibility revolution. You know, we're Ooh, like all that. responsible for our part. I and, love um, that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Very good. Carol, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. I sure do appreciate it and uh, look forward to um, just seeing seeing what God has planned next. Absolutely. And listeners, thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Carol or any of our guests, please go to bemovingforward.com. That's bemovingforward.com. Until next time, I'm Kristen Nepper. Satnam. Now it's time for you to move forward and discover the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and bemovingforward.com. All rights reserved.